And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular Yeah. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavanagh. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect... <laughs> Sorry, I started thinking about the Zach Zachary thing. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film <laughs> past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Great. What? <laughs> I don't I don't get why that's funny. What I don't know. I, I just remembered that the last time we recorded a show, I was confused on whether I call you Zach or Zachary because... I feel like I only ever call you Zachary in the, in our intro, but mm-hmm. I <laughs> call you Zach every other day of my life. And I just thought that was funny that for whatever reason, for for 10 seconds of my life each week, you are Zachary. It's Miss then, Jackson to you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Food Court, if you're nasty. Mr. Food Court, if you're nasty. Yeah. Hey, Justin, how are you? I am good. No complaints, yeah. minus the end of the world, but I'm holding up just fine. I know. It's uh, it's an interesting time. I didn't think that I would ever live through something like this, but, you know, live, knock on wood. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll kind of see what happens. Got to take it day by day. Everything keeps changing. I hope everyone out there is safe and smart, and let's, uh, let's all join together so we can kick this thing in the booty. Yeah, booty. Yeah. But other than that... Um, quarantine's been been okay for you so far yeah 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 just plugging away at some movies playing some video games working from home interesting what uh can you give me a couple games and or movies that you've you've been watching uh but playing a lot of world of warcraft actually uh doom animal crossing the uh just kind of the the new stuff as it were and then as far as movies i watched the new jumanji movie uh the next level I, I hated it. I had to stop it. I did. I wasn't even laughing. I was like, Jesus Christ, I hate this movie. Like, I looked over at Alex and, and we're just like, weren't like getting it. it. It just wasn't funny. And we love the one that came out like two years ago or three years ago, whenever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, we enjoyed the shit out of that movie. And then we, we got this one and we're excited and we put it on. And and I don't think either of us laughed at all over the course of 32 minutes. And then we just like, oh, stop it. Like, yeah, let's just. Sort of get on with our lives, <laughs> and we did. We did. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and then that's you laugh at everything too. I know, it's crazy. Wow. That'll be a law. Mm-hmm. I mean, the TV lied to me. It said it's the funniest comedy of the year. Yeah, so I disagree. That was probably like John Johnson from the Christian Science Reviewer dot com or something said that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so that's that's pretty much. I've never watched a lot of Project Runway. Lots and lots of Project Runway. <laughs> Are you up to date on? Do you watch? I I don't watch it at all. So I'm saying this like I watch it. But uh, the newest season, this season, have you watched any of it? Yeah, I'm done. It just finished. So you know Jen, Jen C, who's on that show, Jen mm. Sharkow, I think. She, so she, I know her. She used to work at Target with me. And she's awesome, but yeah, she was uh, she was on this year's project. Or, wait a minute, is that the designer show, Project Run- Runway? Yeah, yeah, she was on Project Runway. Cool. I'd have to. I'll send you a link later. But yeah, it was really cool. I don't know if she won or anything, so don't spoil it. But yeah, um, cool. I watched uh, The Shawshank Redemption, um, one of the most rewatchable movies of all time. It was just on Netflix, and I'm like, you know what? I need to watch this. And I loved it because I think we were talking about it uh, the other day and I just had a hankering, hankering for some cowbell. So I, I watched it and it's so, so good. It holds up. It never gets old for me, even when it gets old. Um, and I also played Bioshock Infinite. I had it downloaded from PS4. Uh, what do you call them? The monthly free games. Yeah. PlayStation and, Plus. Yeah. The um, So I had the collection and I, I played Infinite a long time ago on xbox i think 360 uh and it was it was fantastic i absolutely loved it and playing it this second time around was was even better probably just because i could kind of i rushed through some parts to get to other parts that i was able to 
maybe not pay attention to the first go around because I just didn't know. But uh, just knowing the story was okay. Yeah, it's it really, really holds up. And I think it's one of my favorite games of all time. I will I will say that. So, is it really? Mm-hmm. One of the Bioshock I mean, Infinite is? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Hey, uh-uh. We like what we like, all right? I'm not judging. You know, she's got the look, all right? Yeah, she does. <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about Bioshock Infinite today. What are we talking about, Justin? We are talking about 10 Cloverfield Lane. It's a good one. This is the this is the 10th <laughs> movie in the Cloverfield Lane series. It's <laughs> uh, the second. Second installment. A whopping eight years after the first. How sad. This movie is directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who... This is his feature film debut. He directed commercials and some episodes of Black Mirror and The Boys. He just he's a writer as well. But uh, this was his feature film debut. Yeah. Ten Ten Cloverfield Lane, a.k.a. The Ballad of John Goodman's Hypnotic Breathing. (laughs) It's pretty good. (laughs) Dude, his stares in the movie are just like, uh, so creepy. So creepy. Um. So this movie was written by Josh Campbell, Matthew Stuckin, and Damien Chazelle. Do you know who Damien Chazelle is? Mm-mm. Oh, he wrote La La Land, your favorite movie. And I don't um, watch. It has. Seen I know, me. I know. And uh, he did Whiplash and stuff. He's a very good director and first man. This movie has a extensive cast. It stars John Goodman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and John Gallagher Jr. That was a joke. <laughs> he is in uh, Newsroom. John Gallagher Jr. Yeah. Oh, he's also in the newest season of Westworld. Cool. Yeah. Uh, do you got the reviews in front of you? I did, but I lost it. <laughs> oh, here we go. God I got it. it. You have I know. one job, Biscuit. <laughs> I know. I have a I have a lot of um a lot of tabs open right now. <laughs> um let's see here. Hitfix. Mr. Drew McQueenie. Didn't make that up. That's his name. Uh, oh, you know what? Most of his reviews buried in this, so never mind. We'll skip that one. <laughs> uh, Justin Chang from Variety. Uh, he gives it a 9 out of 10. The tension is rooted in psychology rather than gimmickery. Um, and let's see here. Old-fashioned in the most refreshing possible sense. Not too shabby. Um, Stephen Zacharek from Time gives it an 8 out of 10. 10 Cloverfield Lane is not an outright Cloverfield sequel, but rather, as Abrams put it, a spiritual successor. It's also a better movie, one with a sense of humor about itself and its genre. That's uh, an astute observation. Uh, The Seattle Times, Soren Anderson, this guy. Uh, Board games, threats from Howard, and desperate escape planning by Michelle Take up most of the picture. And then first time feature director Dan Trachtenberg and the screenwriters apparently realizing that's not much to be going on so far. Ramp up a full bore CG explosion extravaganza finale. Too little, too late. They gave it a 38 out of 100. Wow, that's a really pessimistic way of looking at it. I think it's way more than just that. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if they, uh, if they, if they got it. <laughs> I'm gonna re- I'm gonna write my local congressman to strip that uh, reviewer's credentials and give them to me. So. Yeah, it's probably just a uh, like most of us, a film school reject that thinks they know about motion picture shows. Oh, yeah, uh, you know, you know the type. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have the box office numbers? I do. So. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the Ballad of John Goodman's Hypnotic Breathing had a budget of $15 million. <laughs> Opening weekend, it did $24.7 million, grossing $72 million in the U.S. of A. And worldwide, we're looking at $110 million. That's a so pretty a good... Yeah, pretty good investment. Totally. They turned $15 million into 110 million. That's like one of them goose with golden eggs and such. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple quick trivia things. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, or as I like to call her, Miss Rancourt, Mrs. Rancourt, because she's amazing, uh, is barefoot the majority of the movie. In an interview, she stated that in a lot of the close up shots that did not show her feet, she was wearing slip on shoes or flip flops. 
the trailer for the film attached to the theatrical release of 13 hours was released and publicized only two months before the film's own U.S. theatrical release, an unusually short time for advertising and promo for a film released by a major studio. How about that? In the third installment of J.J. Abrams' Cloverfield franchise, The Cloverfield Paradox, 2018, the character Mark Stambler is featured on a screen discussing the consequences of a failed shepherd's particle experiment. He calls this The Cloverfield Paradox. In this film, John Goodman's character Howard Stambler also talks about his conspiracy theories. It is noted that Howard works on satellites for Tegruato, a name which is seen multiple times above the spaceship in the Cloverfield Paradox. Fans have theorized that Mark and Howard Stambler are brothers, given their similar opinions. You know what part that's from? From the Cloverfield Paradox? It's, the, it's Donald Logue when he's talking on the news. Yeah, I remember that. I don't. I don't remember much about that movie. We were talking about that prior to the show. <laughs> that uh, someone, someone like me, that remembers so much and all the little details, <laughs> I just draw a complete blank to that movie. And I literally watched it twice inside of twenty four hours, and I don't remember a goddamn thing about it. It's so weird. It's <laughs> so strange. And, I, and I'm a sucker for this franchise. Like I love the whole idea of Cloverfield, and it just it just went in one ear and out the other. I just. Don't remember it at all. It's so sad. And I was going to watch it again, but I thought, you know what? I've already seen it twice. I've paid my dues. I'm not I'm not doing it again. Um, real quick before I read the synopsis, I have a very random question that I was thinking about today. Uh, do you know, like, what is the oldest T-shirt that you own? Because I was thinking, I saw someone with like a, a concert shirt from, it said like 95, and they were still wearing it. And I'm like, wow, I'm trying yeah, to think of the good. oldest shirt that I own. Sure. Um, so I have a shirt. Uh, I have a couple that are relatively old. One would be uh, this Ryan Newman shirt that I got in, I want to say, 2002. And um, I just stood in line to get his autograph and they, they threw out a shirt and I got it and he signed the shirt. In fact, uh, I still have it. And I was devastated when um, he had that crazy wreck a couple months ago at uh Daytona and everyone thought that he passed away. I'm like, Oh my God, I had this incredible experience with him and I would hate for him to have, you know, perished. But, mm-hmm. uh, so that's, that's an 18 year old shirt. That's not, that's not too bad. And then I have another shirt from Jamaica from 2006. That's probably my second oldest shirt. Luckily I was fat when I got it. So it still fits. Just <laughs> <laughs> throwing that out there. Thank you. <laughs> I have a Foo Fighters t-shirt from when I saw them the first time I ever saw them in concert back in like 2006 or 2007 and it still fits because I was fat when I was younger so (laughs) it still fits. Yeah, it's always nice. (laughs) I just, I I like, it's weird because I just make sure I, you know, like hand wash it and hang dry it because I I want nothing to happen to it. I want it to go on to the end of time. So there you go. Perfect. All right, let's get going. Um, so here's a little synopsis of 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, and just a, a warning. This is going to be a heavy spoiler filled uh, episode. I mean, all of our episodes are spoilers. But just in case you, you didn't know what this was, then, yeah, you should probably turn us off and never come back. But anyways, on the run from a troubled relationship, Michelle packs her things and drives across Louisiana. After taking a phone call from her ex, Michelle's car is hit by a truck. She awakens frightened and confused in a basement, patched up and chained to a pipe. Her captor is Howard, an odd and chilling farmer who built a fallout shelter to protect himself from the big attack. Howard explains that he saved Michelle and aggressively reminds her that she should thank him for that. Howard tells her that everything on the ground level is dead from some sort of attack. Michelle realizes that she is not alone as she meets Emmett, a man who worked on the bunker with Howard and has truly invested in the post-apocalyptic hype. During dinner, Michelle is able to almost escape, but quickly realizes that Howard may be correct, that the air is contaminated outside the bunker. The group then spend the unforeseeable future together, trying to attain a sense of normal life. After the air filtration system crashes, Michelle is tasked with climbing through the duct to reset it. Michelle discovers a small room with a ladder leading to a door outside. She climbs the ladder and discovers the word help written on the window. Michelle and Emmett discover that Howard lied about having a daughter, and they think that he killed a girl who he previously held captive. The two devise an escape plan, only to be foiled by Howard. Angry that 
they have taken advantage of his generosity, Howard shoots Emmett and puts his body in a barrel of acid. Michelle realizes that escape is a priority. Howard goes full dad mode, supporting or sporting a new clean-shaven look and demeanor. Michelle tricks him and knocks the barrel of acid at his feet, burning Howard in the bunker down. Michelle finally escapes through the filtration exit to realize that the air outside is not contaminated. Just as she thinks she is in the clear, a strange ship appears across the sky and, holy shit, it's an extraterrestrial. <laughs> Michelle runs and fights for her life as the ship almost devours her. Due, due to her cunning badassery, she is able to blow up the ship and escape into the metaphorical sunset. Strengthened and with a new perspective on her life, Michelle decides to head to Houston to help fight the aliens. Michelle has redeemed her tendency to run at the first sight of trouble, but now instead, she's bringing trouble with her. Boom. Yeah. There's a sign that says Houston this way, and then uh, Baton, Rouge, Baton Rouge this other. And I always go, Baton Rouge! <laughs> Just <laughs> Alex crazy. And and it's funny because it's come up like three times, like of all places in the world, it's come up like three times in the last week. And I just keep, I just keep calling it Baton Rouge. <laughs> and I couldn't resist when I read the sign. Yeah. That's uh, quite a synopsis there. A lot of action. Thanks. Yeah. I tried to, I tried to make it con- concise, but it was just hard because for a movie that's set in a, Small setting, there was a ton going on, and we'll discuss that in a second. So, um, we were previously discussing this before we started recording, but when did you first see this movie, and what was your reaction then, and has it changed since? Oh, my gosh. Um, I first saw this movie when it came out sometime in March, March 11th, 2016. Saw it opening night on a date. <laughs> with a lady I am not with anymore, but I, I, uh, I got, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. It's like there's a couple of it got that. I, um, I mean, you know, one thing that I remember uh, thinking was so trippy about it was the uh, the use of sound as the story driver. Um, you know, everything from the, like literally from the beginning, uh, we don't hear the phone conversation that she's having, but it's obviously a bad call. Um. When she has the accident, you you know, her bell is being rung and the sound's cutting in and out. And that's really cool. Um, and even when she's in the shelter, there's so many unidentifiable noises, whether it be just like hums or uh, banging, screaming, yelling, uh, doors opening, closing. There's so many things you don't really know what's happening on the other side of the wall. And I really thought that that was pretty trippy. And then add to um, Howard's ridiculous breathing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just a... It, so many things that are that are making you uncomfortable and just like michelle you want to just get the hell out of there which i thought was pretty cool can you uh can you replicate that or duplicate that breathing for me (laughs) yeah (laughs) 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 yeah he's just constantly breathing through his fucking mouth and nose and i just can't stand it i'm like dude go eat that ice cream someplace else dude Not, not not feeling it you want the cone or you want the bowl? Megan would yeah. like the bowl. <laughs> Cones are messy. Cones are messy. <laughs> so is acid. So so are dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. No, John Goodman's a creeper, man. Oh, I so don't like good, it. And, and there's there's so many times though where where you really just don't know what to believe. You know, you're like, man, this guy's just gonna fucking just just eat her <laughs> or maybe he is like a nice guy. Cause because the whole time you think that he's really a creep, right? And then then when she goes to escape the first time and you see the woman on the other side of the glass and that's when you really start to think, wow, maybe because she's got all like those burns on her face and you're like, wow, maybe it is contaminated out there. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he's just a weirdo, but he did the right thing. And then he when he talks about how he did cause the accident and he apologizes, but he was just in such a, a frantic mode that he wasn't paying attention and, and he caused the wreck. So he came clean about that, but he's very particular. You know, he's probably on the spectrum in, in some capacity because he just acts like everything has to be his way. You know, he doesn't like any sort of uh, change or something out of the norm. And he's very routine. And um, that's just hard to be around. It's like literally living with the worst roommate ever. And, um, and it's kind of like, like the odd couple, but in a less funny and more violent way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he um, I mean, I think a a very scary 
thing about it is is how realistic it could be where you know you have these doomsday preppers and yeah he he could be on the spectrum at some on some level and he could have something in his past like he could have ptsd or something you know and it's that's what's terrifying about it we'll just jump right into that because that's a that's a good segue so a big reason why i liked this movie is because i went into it knowing absolutely nothing about the film because how it was shrouded in mystery so like i said the trailer was it premiered two months before it actually came out and it was i think the 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 production title was the cellar or the basement or something like that but i didn't really know much about it and i didn't know it was a cloverfield product until obviously that trailer right so uh it had a really really awesome viral marketing campaign uh and that led to a lot of uh, depth for the story and this this story was filled with a bunch of twists and turns in the plot i i was just captivated watching it so this is a major spoiler obviously but uh i counted and this is what i counted and you were talking about the twist earlier but i counted six of them six major ones do you want to hear what they are sure okay Twist what do you, what do you, one. what do we, yeah, I want to know what so, we classify okay, so as a twist. You, so Justin, for each of these, tell me if you were surprised or if you saw it coming for these twists oh. um, while watching this movie. So twist number one, Michelle chained to the pipe in the basement. That's a twist. So, okay. So she's driving, gets in a car accident. She wakes up with an IV in her arm. And then we see that we see that. She's not being nursed back to life. She's a prisoner now. Were you expecting that? Well, from the direction th- the movie was going in. Okay, so at the, when she's at the gas station, though, sort of, only because when she was at the gas station, you see sort of this look of uneasiness on her face when the when the truck pulls in behind her. Uh, like you think that she's afraid. Like, hey, there's what this truck looks kind of weird. I feel I get a an uneasy feeling about it. And so, uh, and then you see that truck again just before the accident. So I don't think I was surprised to see her chained to a pipe. I, it, it seemed like it was one thing leading to another. Ooh, I wasn't expecting it. I don't know if I was like jaw to the floor, but I mean, I wasn't, ex- I wasn't expecting that at all. Sure. So in the trailer, it shows three human beings inside of what appears to be a fallout shelter, listening to music, playing board games. And then noise happens and they get scared. And that was it. Mm. And you didn't really know what was happening. You didn't know what they were hiding from, what they were running from, if there was some sort of nuclear disaster, if there was an invasion. We knew nothing about why they were in there. Um, so I, it was new to me that she was there, uh, you know, against her own will, I guess. But I, I wasn't expecting her to be chained, I suppose. But I knew she was going to end up in the fallout shelter. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, twist number two, Howard brought Michelle in on purpose. So he crashed her car. Uh, I think we can both assume that he was the one following her at the gas station. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's wasn't that, a, wasn't that the same truck? Yeah. He's a total creeper. He likes so, young girls. So with how they were kind of, how they kind of glossed over it, where Howard admitted it, um, were you, kind of shocked though when she she realized that Howard was the one that that hit her on purpose so a couple of things I thought that he was a bad guy um, up until she went to escape and then she saw the woman in the window because he didn't admit to hitting her on purpose until she saw that because then he had a he had an angle now like she she he knew now that she was scared and knew that there was possibly something outside. So he was able to use that to his advantage. Like, hey, I knew this was happening. I was freaking out and I hit you and I'm sorry. And, you know, they almost become friends at that point. Um, you know, at least a little bit more trust is there's a new layer of trust, I suppose. is probably a better word than than friends. But um, it, it, it sort of backed up the theory that there was something outside, some yeah. sort of harmful element beyond their control. Well, and that's my third twist was when, you know, she, she at this point, it, I'm, I'm looking at this as as my own opinion as a viewer. But, you know, she steals the keys, hits Howard in the head with the, the soda pop bottle, runs up and you're like, all right, she needs to get out of here because clearly he's kidnapping her. 
And but I think that happened. She, that happened after, or that happened before he told her that he hit her on purpose, or not on purpose, but that he was the one that hit her car. I don't think it was. Yeah, I could be wrong. I thought, and then and then she goes and stitches his head. He he explains. Look, at, I was scared. I was I wasn't in the, my right mind, and I was driving frantically, and I hit you, and I brought you here to take care of you. And then mm. they go and stitch her head. Or he, she goes and stitches his head. Maybe I'm misremembering it. But, uh, okay, well, anyways, two and three are interchangeable. Uh, the third, though, was when she runs up and she sees that that woman is actually infected and that Howard wasn't lying. How did you feel when you saw that, yeah, that, that woman was actually infected? Yeah, I remember that being scary. Because it's like, what would you do? Would you let somebody in? Um. You know, she's she's trying to get out. This other lady is trying to get in. That's all of a sudden this horrible place that she's trying to escape seems like a safe place. It's her salvation. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. So twist number four. uh, So everything's hunky dory like that Seattle Times um, columnist said. And then uh, she goes to the air filtration room and sees help scratched into the window with some blood and finds the bloody earring. And they reveal that. Uh, Howard's quote unquote daughter was not his actual daughter that it was a girl that Emmett went to school with what do you think about that twist Ooh, because now I know that Howard is a liar and a creeper and uh, it's time to time to GTFO yes time to get the fudge out yes um, twist number five Howard kills Emmett when they're talking and he says, I'm sorry. And he goes, okay, I accept your apology and just shoots him. Were you expecting him to shoot him? No, that caught me off guard. I don't think it's a, a twist as it were, because you already know that he's bad at this point. I didn't think that he was going to die that quick though. I think it was really sudden. And I think that I thought there was going to be some sort of fight at least. And maybe he would have died, but it would have been, you know, in a valiant way or something. But I, I just wasn't expecting Howard to shoot him right then and there. I thought something else was going to happen or he was going to torture him or, or, or whatever. Right. So and I'm just going based off of other films that I've seen. So that's why I was impressed with this. And then finally, twist number six, when <laughs> Michelle goes out and she's like, oh, it's all good. The air's fine. And holy shit, she sees aliens. Yeah, that's pretty rad. I like that. And she's like, yeah, you're fucking kidding me. <laughs> she, yeah, she, she just goes, she goes, oh, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> It was so good. Yeah. yeah. So that that was crazy to me. I mean, this movie did a very good job of of foreshadowing what would potentially happen or, or how someone would escape. You know, like when Howard explains how you can freeze a lock like he did it in the Navy when he's freezing the vodka. Um, it foreshadowed uh, about gas masks and stuff and that survival guide book. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that was in there. There was there was a, a good amount of foreshadowing throughout the movie, but it set it up well and it wasn't glaring and on the nose to a point where, you know, they were treating us like dumb viewers. I think Trachtenberg did a fantastic job of making sure to adhere to our our intellect, I guess you could say, for <laughs> for for good horror movies. But, and Howard even talks about how the first uh, wave of attack would be, you know, bomb, 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 go crazy. And then the second wave would be sweeping, uh, sweeping the area, looking for survivors like them. Yeah. So, and, and it was literally happening above them. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Well, and it's, it, 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 it sound logic. If you think about it too. I mean, he, he didn't skip a beat when he was explaining stuff. Like when they, you know, they heard a helicopter or something and his immediate thing was, you know, the first wave was a nuclear strike and the second, yeah, you're saying like his ground sweeps and he's kind of explaining and they, they wanted to discredit him, but he, they're like, how do you know this? He's like 14 years in the Navy. So, um, who, who are you going to believe? I mean, if, if, if someone was in the Navy and they're going to tell me this, this stuff, I'm not going to be like, no, I don't know about that, man. You know, I'm going to believe what they, what they say, especially since, uh, he's holding a gun and he's crazy, but, um, yeah, you personally, Justin, what would you do in a situation like this if you <laughs> were chained up to a pipe and your leg was broken? How do you think you'd handle if you were in Michelle's uh, shoes? Uh, I don't know. She's pretty resourceful. I don't know if I would be 
able to think that fast. Um, I would look for ways to get out and I would be scared for sure, but I don't, I can't pretend to know what I would do, but I like her way of thinking. I thought she was pretty, pretty sharp. I think she was incredibly sharp. I like that she wasn't. So real quick, do you think this is a horror film? Uh, I don't know. Cause I, I think we have different opinions on a difference of opinion on horror films. I, I think it's more sure. of a psychological thriller. Uh, and science fiction, but um, I guess because there is some murder and mayhem, it qualifies as a horror movie. But a murder, uh, you say? <laughs> a murder in Savannah. In Savannah, or in this case, Baton Rouge. Um, <laughs> the I do think it's more of a psychological thriller, but sure, we'll call it a horror movie just to save us some time. <laughs> Yeah, you're letting me be myself. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a horror film. But uh, I think what was so cool about it was that she was so smart and she wasn't this kind of damsel in distress, gets lucky sort of thing. She was very resourceful. Uh, and I talked about the foreshadowing stuff earlier. I think in that first 10 minutes of the movie, you learn a decent un- amount about her. Uh, she runs away from certain situations. She was in uh, a designer when they pan over and you see all of her her clothing designs and everything so you learn a decent amount about her and she's when she finds out that she's chained yeah she starts crying but then she realizes i need to get my phone so she grabs her her iv stand and and pulls her phone over and she's just always always in tune and always kind of with it so i really really liked her character a lot she was a strong female lead which was awesome to see um I'm going to skip that one and we'll come back to it. So we were, we were talking about this before the show, but you've seen all three Cloverfield movies. Yes. Yes. Okay. What were your thoughts on the first Cloverfield? And then we know your, we know your thoughts on the second one. It's just not memorable, <laughs> but the first uh, one, no, why, why, the second one's memorable. I love the second one. The third no, one's sorry. not memorable. Sorry. That, that's what I meant. I, I meant yeah. the Cloverfield paradox is not memorable, but why do you like the first Cloverfield? Um, I don't know. I just uh, thought it was a fun new take on found footage. Uh, up until that point, my only real experience was uh, Blair Witch Project, which I think was, highly inventive and in its time uh it's just a lot of bickering and these three people just being annoying for 90 minutes whereas in this case i thought cloverfield was pretty funny um tj miller's before he became a crazy person he was pretty funny and that's a sort of uh, uh his breakout role i think i got discovered with this movie and uh i just remember laughing i thought his character hud was pretty funny and I like how everyone's scared. I like how we got to see the monster a lot. Like it was just yeah. all, it was a small snippets, but if you add up all the time that you do get to see monsters, I think that that's, it's pretty good. And it literally looks like Manhattan's being destroyed. Um, I thought the movie looked amazing and talk about viral campaigns. The first trailer I saw for Cloverfield was just a party. And then the head of the statue of Liberty come flying down the street. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, this is a crazy movie. <laughs> like, what's Cloverfield? I don't understand. And uh, I thought that was so cool. And so when I saw this movie, I just really, really, really enjoyed it. I was I was 100% on board and invested. And uh, I, I really dug it. I liked the monsters. I liked how everyone was just running, screaming, didn't know what to do, what to expect, That how it was so hectic. Um, I think that... Um, it's very relatable. Like I think that there would be so many people that would just be running for their lives. But then at the same time, when push comes to shove, there might be that person that just kind of steps up and, and, you know, just does the right thing and helps people when they need to. And I think that movie did that pretty well. That's me, Justin. I step up and I do the right thing always and forever. No way. You would have died on the bridge. You would have been singing or something and you would have got annihilated. <laughs> I promise I'm not going to sing. You All do right? that. I know. You uh, are the La La Land of this podcast. <laughs> I do love La La Land. So, so uh, stupid. 
No, it's not. So <laughs> I thought it was a superhero movie when I first saw the trailer because I was like, oh, some bad guy just threw the Statue of Liberty head because they didn't really give you much. So I no, really they gave you nothing. Everything. Yeah, I think that that really went into it, that that alternate reality game kind of that they, they played with it. Like we were talking about the marketing and how they had these really cool deep dives where you could go on the Internet and find Rob, I think, is the main character in Cloverfield. Yes, he he has a, a a fake Facebook page, basically, that you can click on and all the, the main ac- actors are on there. And then it talks about his job. He's going to be vice president of Slusho, which is a J.J. Abrams kind of ongoing brand that he puts into some of his movies, kind of like Kelvin and stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Slusho is made of these things called uh, I wrote it down seabed nectar and seabed nectar you get from the ocean. And it all kind of stems from this company called Tagruado, which is present in all three movie films in some form or another. But basically, uh, they're saying that Tagruado did some off-site drilling and they unleashed um, Clovey, the monster of uh, Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of went from there. And there's this really, really cool, you know, like deep dive thing that happened with that and i really appreciate uh when people can do that kind of stuff with their film so as far as as far as what i thought of cloverfield when i first saw it the original one um i was i was mixed i i enjoyed it but i it was it was forgettable for me i did re-watch it this week and i liked it a lot more going into it just because i think i agree with you it's it wasn't about the bickering some of the some of the camera work was a little ridiculous for me even for you know, I understand it's a found footage thing, but some of it just didn't really kind of sell me on the story. I've seen better found footage films, but I really did like the aspect of it where we're with the it's it's a POV. We're with the the group of friends and we have no idea what's going on. And when you finally see bits and pieces of the monster, you're like, holy shit. So it was uh, it was cool. It was very suspenseful and I enjoyed it. So um, one thing, though, for. Clover 10, 10 Cloverfield Lane, they also had an ARG with it. And um, so here's here's some of the things. And there's a lot. I'm not going to go through all of it. But Howard, he was a, a telemetry analyst for Bold Futura, which is a subsidiary company of Tagruado. And I don't know. It, it's kind of one of those blink and you miss it sort of things. But you know when Michelle goes up into that filtration room did you happen to see the letter that she stepped on that had his name on it? Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, so, so this so time around, I don't remember it ever before, though. Exactly. That said Bold Futura, and uh, it was probably like a pay statement or something like that. But basically, they did a lot of satellite work and stuff with space. And it is also referenced again in Cloverfield Paradox, Bold Futura. So... um he that that's how they kind of tie it there too um i mean this this AR, arg goes so deep that there were even like on reddit there were hidden hidden coordinates um in various websites and stuff that led a certain redditor to a buried survival box so this person filmed them going in like a field or something like that and digging it up and it, it was a a box that had a bunch of fictional stuff of Howard's. It had a USB drive with recordings from like a satellite. It had the missing puzzle pieces from the puzzle. You know, the cat puzzle that Emmett was saying, he's like, Oh, where's the cat's eye and stuff. Um, and it even had a bottle of like swamp pop soda, that soda that they kept drinking. So it was pretty awesome that they did that. Like, I don't know if you heard anything about that or whatnot, but no, yeah, that was cool though. Isn't that cool? That's fun. It's just like engaging. And I think that to me is is probably one of the most impressive things about this and, and how this whole thing was shrouded in mystery. I thought that that was really neat. But yeah, well, I'll keep, I'll keep going because you're going to be like, Zach just keeps talking and talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have to talk about John Goodman and how how excellent he was. I think unanimously we can both say that he was incredible in this. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's great in everything he does. So Okay, cool. Perfect. Do you think he is uh, one of the most criminally underrated character actors working right now? I don't think he's underrated by any stretch of the imagination. He has over 150 credits to his name. He has been working nonstop since I've been alive. 
everyone knows he's amazing, and I don't think he's underrated by uh, one stretch of the imagination. Do you think that an award solidifies your your rank? No, nope, like not at Academy all. Award. I think I think steady work uh, solidifies your rank. Interesting. Uh, do you know who my favorite cinematographer is of all time? Um, we've, no. we've talked about him several times. No, I don't listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a nice friend. Tim, Tim Apple. <laughs> what? <laughs> Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins. Uh, Deakins did not win until uh, a couple of years back and for Blade Runner 2049. So that was his first actual win as a cinematographer but he has an an immense resume so it's interesting though because john goodman doesn't have any academy awards um personally what are some of your favorite roles of of mr goodman oh man easily would be walter from the big lebowski Mm -hmm. i think he is just absolutely amazing um gosh um I would say this, 10 Cloverfield Lane, probably one of my mm-hmm. favorite roles ever. Mm-hmm. Um, even like animated, like um, Emperor's New Groove. I think he's hilarious in that. I totally forgot uh, he was in that. Yeah, no, he's great. Um, he's got a lot. Uh, Simpsons, Futurama. Um, he's just a a great actor. Oh, yeah, he plays the biker in uh, in The Simpsons. I can't remember his name, but they steal Marge. <laughs> Uh, I like Sully from Monsters, Inc. Um, I like, obviously, Walter. I like Delbert McClintock from Arachnophobia. He was the yeah, exterminator. Yeah. Uh, and Roland Turner from Inside Lewin Davis. I don't know if you saw that or not, but he is not on screen for that much time. I think maybe 10 minutes, but he completely steals the show, in my opinion. So, no. Well, no he's, um, good. he's good stuff. You're good stuff. Mm-hmm except when you don't listen to me. So these are the types of horror films that I love. Suspenseful, mysterious, original, filled with plot twists that keep the viewer entertained and questioning what's happening. This movie uses its claustrophobic setting to vicariously share the tension and the fear that Michelle has as she discovers the truth about what is going on. Why don't we see more of this in films? I think some films we've seen on a smaller scale with the setting, uh, but... Some just have these crazy elaborate plots and it's just too much. Why can't we see more of an inventive sci-fi horror approach like this anymore? Well, I I think the difference with this particular movie, though, is like, I don't even really necessarily look at them as like plot twists per se. I mean, the alien, I think, or the alien attack is probably a pretty big plot twist. But um, I think most of it is just... uh, sort of unfolding like we don't really know much about it so we're just kind of piecing together information and you know there's a lot of aha moments um but i think that might be why it excuse me why it transitions better because you're just sort of learning as you go you are michelle in this movie and you know what she knows and i think that has a big impact you know the second you know more than the characters on the screen then it becomes predictable does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, that does. So, so do you think that the whole marketing campaign of, of, you know, not showing this and not really announcing this until two months before it came out and keeping it shrouded in, in mystery, do you think that really helped the film? I think for a horror movie, that, since you call it a horror movie, I think for, yeah. for this type of movie, I think that that helps. Um, but I don't know if it would help something that is expected to be a big summer blockbuster. That's where you spend, you know, a hundred million dollars on marketing versus, you know, YouTube videos and Reddit posts. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's a difference there. And I think the best slash worst example we, we have of that is solo. When solo came out, you know, it was, we, the first trailer dropped like two months or three months before it came out. And people are like, what the hell's going on? This is coming out really soon. And this is going to be a huge blockbuster. It's Star Wars. Uh, and I mean, we may have differing opinions on that movie, but I think, yeah, you're right. The genre of the film and the subject matter really does kind of matter. This so, movie. 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say like um, Man of Steel had a really cool viral campaign with uh, Zod's message, you know, going through your television like it did in the movie. I thought that was really cool. But because it's Superman, you need more than that. But I thought that was really, really neat. If that came out first, I think that would really get people talking. But it didn't. We had already seen two to three versions of a trailer before that viral campaign launched. Right. But if that was the first thing that we saw a year before the movie came out, that would have been pretty awesome. Mm hmm. Well, and I think of uh, District 9, how that uh, marketing campaign was, too, because you were yeah, saying, yeah. you know, you'd, you'd see things at the bus stop and you'd be like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah, you know, humans no only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck you, too, man. If I got a dog, I'm going to ruin my dog on a bus. <laughs> Damn city of Sacramento. I don't know where you're. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This was in um, Orange County, California. Where they have oranges. Yeah. But uh, so. And no doubt. Ding 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 ding. So this 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 movie reminded me of A Quiet Place though too. Uh, we you know I didn't know a ton about A Quiet Place other than you had to be really quiet. But going into it, I knew it was going to be kind of a monster movie. I just had no idea, and I was very very happy when I saw it. And I to this date, that's still one of the most tension filled movies that I've seen in in a very very long time. Um, so I was. I was very entertained and I was glad that I went into it. And I really, really wish more movies did this where they don't ruin everything in the trailers. And I think like you're saying the, the, the trailer for 10 Cloverfield lane is 31 seconds. It's literally on IMDb as 31 seconds. And, and you said it, it's something like they're playing games and they hear noise. Yeah. The jukebox, the jukebox comes on and it's, I think we're alone now. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, that the whole time you're like, what the hell? They're just, you know, they're occupying time. They're killing time to, to get through whatever it is that they are protecting themselves from. And then when you hear the rumblings and the noises. And again, like I said at the beginning, sound does play a huge role in this movie. Um, you're like, oh, shit, what is this? What are they running from? And uh, and I love that. I love questions and I don't need answers. So many people need answers. <laughs> and I think it's so <laughs> funny. Like even yeah. when we were watching Alex and I were watching the first Cloverfield, she's like, I don't like how we don't know, you know, where this monster came from. I'm like, who gives a shit? It's just attacking. Like, I love that. I, I, I love knowing that or not knowing rather that this thing would either just came from the ocean. It came from space. Who knows? Something woke it up and something made it mad. And now we're paying for it and that's all i need to know the second someone all of a sudden becomes a fucking expert on this alien is when it it becomes fake to me like all of a sudden some asshole that's been that spent 30 seconds observing this monster is now an expert give me a break (laughs) i I hate that shit it's interesting because it kind of mirrors what we're what we're seeing now where we just don't know anything about this coronavirus i mean we we think we do and we can have all these things and you know, it's <laughs> it gets a little a little creepy. So there are some eerie parts in this movie that I'm like, I need to find me a, a Howard so I can go stay in a, in a bunker somewhere safe. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think the less is more aspect is so great in this because it makes it more realistic. If we have a ton of exposition and it's like, oh, hey, Clovey came from from China and he was awoken or sent by space and this is his backstory. I don't want that because this is a well, Cloverfield is a POV movie. And this one where it might as well be where kind of that that uh, fourth party watching on in this little tiny shelter and we just don't know what's going on. I, I was not expecting an alien invasion at the end. And I when at the end of the first trailer, right, you, it's just 10 Cloverfield Lane. You're like, oh, shit, it's tied to Cloverfield. So when does the monster come into play? But, right. So I think that was uh, I mean, I, I felt that was a big enough clue that there was going to be some sort of monster, um, whether it be an alien or a creature. I, I didn't really care. I just to me, that was the ultimate tie. And it wasn't so much a case study on on human nature and being locked with a fucking pedophile for 90 minutes. It was well, get me the monsters. And when I saw the alien invasion, then that just cranked up to 11 for me and it just became like a solid A. I was like, all right, I'm on board. I love this movie. And and I love that she survived and I love that she is now 
a seasoned veteran and she's ready to go kick some ass. <laughs> she is Dirk Diggler. She's like, you want to see me kick some ass? And I and I <laughs> love I how like she's kicking some ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> and she's in a rubber ducky shower curtain fucking biohazard suit. And I love that. I think that is so friggin' cool. Look, these tapes are guaranteed hits. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and we see at the beginning that she has, uh, you know, a designer background. She's got the measuring tape. She's got the mannequin. She's got um, some sort of tailoring experience. So it all kind of plays out. So she's definitely a creative person. And so I think that's what helps with her resourcefulness is she just thinks differently. I hope one day that I can marry Elizabeth Winstead. I don't know if you are good enough. Whoa, she- <laughs> bro. Damn! What happened she, to bro code? She, she defeated aliens. I defeated. I don't know. I rode my bike really far today. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> um, yeah, she's she's incredible. I I love her character so much in this movie. She's so good. But I think that's that's a, a big selling point. Is is all three of them do a fantastic job? I mean, obviously John Gallagher Jr. is maybe the the weakest of them all, just because he doesn't have a ton. But he still does a really good job, and you you feel for him. You know when he's when he's giving his heartfelt story about how he had the bus ticket and he didn't think he'd ever make it up there because he was too stupid in college and he just never went on his full ride scholarship. I mean, I thought that that was endearing. That's all I got to say about it. Uh, do you have anything else to add? No, it's a good movie. Go I, I have absolutely- to, um, I have a copy of it. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't find it streaming. Um, I th- think it's on cinemax but i could be wrong but i uh, i bought it from hd movie codes it was five bucks and oh I, nice. yeah bought it in 4k i was like yeah I, i'll i'll buy that um but totally worth it very happy to add it to my arsenal uh letter grade what do you give this movie a an a interesting an a. i like it i give it an a minus uh just because i want to be a little different because i'm quirky like that i'm weird i wear a boot wherever i go so. yeah <laughs> one of them scooter deals <laughs> i got two scooters for both knees <laughs> i believe it uh cool well if that's it and i mean i guess i'll i'll take us home tonight i don't want to let you go till you see the sunlight so thank you for listening to the don't be crazy podcast remember to follow us on twitter at db crazy pod at edgy armo that's edgy armo and at Zach Dale 60, not Zachary Dale 60, but just Zach Dale 60, <laughs> where you can share your thoughts with us and we'll discuss them on our show. We got a lot of downtime. Well, kind of. I'll speak for myself. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure we can do some episodes here and there. And, you know, we always take suggestions. So on the Twitter, you can tell <laughs> us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Even though Justin cannot <laughs> find an episode to save his life. He's always like, oh, I don't like that movie. And <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, thank you for listening. Just please remember, don't be crazy. Adios, amigos. Thank you so much. <laughs>